We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. My daughter sent me this picture this week. Now, some of you know my family, some of you are guests here, visitors here, maybe don't know my family. Um, here's what you should know about them. None of them are that size any longer, okay? So my kids have grown up, um, but my daughter Kira sent me this picture and she said, hey dad, I've got this really great idea. We're going to do it over Thanksgiving. We're going to recreate this picture of us when we were a kid, right? So I said, okay, that sounds like a, a great idea, Kira. And she's pretty pumped about it. She said, um, I think each of these, the, I think this picture kind of shows each of our personalities. We're going to recreate it. We're going to, we're going to kind of try to mimic that picture. And that's what we're going to do over Thanksgiving. And I thought, okay, that sounds like a good idea. It sounds kind of fun. And I think we're going to do it. Um, but something else interesting kind of, came out, at least in me, when I saw that picture. And so I got to see my four kids when they were little. Um, but you want to know what I kind of picked out really quickly? Was the door behind them. Okay? Which, I know, this sounds strange. Like, my four beautiful children are there, and I'm thinking about the door that was behind them. But here's the reason why. That picture with my four kids there that door, I know exactly what house it's from. So as soon as I saw this picture, uh, and after I kind of looked at my kids' faces, then I remembered that specific door. The address is 23 Tannis Crescent in Scarborough, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Do you know how long I lived at that house with that door? Can you guess? Just over a month, about a year. The reason I bring this up is I only lived at that house. We rented that house for one year. The first year when we moved to Canada, um, I, I, we had moved there. I had a church there. The first year we just lived in a rented house. It was just a random house uh, found online, 23 Tannis Crescent in Toronto. And yet, from that simple picture and that little clip of that door... I knew exactly where the house was. So I've got a question for you. Think of a mental picture of home. So in your mind, picture home. Did you do it? Now some of you are annoyed by me. You're like, I don't like it when pastor asks me to do things. I don't like when there's silence either. And I don't like it when pastor doesn't give me more direction. Now, some of that was purposeful. So I simply told you, picture home. What picture of home sprung to mind quickly? Right? Okay. All right. For some of you, it was probably maybe a childhood home, right? Maybe the home that you grew up in. Right? Maybe for some of you, it is your very first apartment after you got married. Right? Maybe for some of you, it's your parents' home even, or grandparents' home. For some of you, maybe it's the home that you live in right now, right? that you just left this morning to come here to. So I didn't give you a lot of direction when I said picture home. I did that purposefully because... On some level, I wanted you to think through what was the first image that came into your mind. 
And here's what I'm willing to bet. The first picture or image of home that came into your mind, maybe there was really good reasons and really good emotions and really good memories that brought that home to mind. But for some of us, maybe the home that pops into your mind is not for such wonderful things. Maybe it was a home where you experienced um, pain, conflict. Now, I don't know where you landed or what picture of home came into your minds. And we're going to kind of talk through that in a little bit. But here's the point of that. Some of our strongest memories, both good and bad, some of, some of the most vivid, visceral things that, that, that even at times maybe affect us physically when they pop into our heads come from specific locations. We're headed into Thanksgiving this week. On the heels of that is going to come Christmas, right? I would say that maybe more so than any other time of year, uh, um, memories, feelings, all of these connections can start coming, rushing back, and sometimes it's initiated simply by the place that we exist or we are going to. Now, psychologists call this something, they call this spatial memory, okay? So uh, when you had that picture of home in your head, and whether it was good feelings or bad feelings, my guess is is that uh, they were very vivid feelings of home. That's called spatial memory. Because on some level, how our mind is able to organize things, how we are able to remember things, uh, how we are able to to even feel how we felt in those locations is all a part of that spatial memory. So the fact that if you can picture a place you call home and that there are intense emotions connected to it, that's kind of how our mind organizes and structures within within our own brains. Now... Um, that's maybe not necessarily surprising to you. If you go back to uh, your childhood home, if you go back to your childhood city, my guess is if you grew up there for any length of time, you could probably navigate yourself around. Even if the city, even if the location has grown, has expanded, my guess is you still have a mental map in your head. The home that I asked you to picture, could you walk me through every single doorway and every single room in it? I bet you, you could, right? I bet you could. I, I bet you could almost do it in the dark, <laughs> right? That's called spatial memory. But my guess is also that you probably would be able to walk through each one of the rooms in that house, and there would be memories, and there would be emotions that were attached to those as well. Sometimes remarkably vivid, right? All of that is what they call spatial memory. It's how our mind is able to to attach and remember things and attach emotion, right, and feeling to things. Um, This is also a technique just for memorizing things. Uh, The 2006 winner of the World Memory Championships, did any of you watch it? (laughs) Okay. I never knew there was such a thing. Did you know there are World Memory Championships? Okay, there is. Uh, There is. So in 2006, a 19-year-old named Clemens Meyer won it, and he memorized 1,040 random facts, and he only had, or random digits rather, and he only had a half an hour to memorize them. 
okay? So 1,040 random digits, he only had a half an hour to memorize them, okay? So how in the world was he able to arrange his mind to memorize that over a thousand random digits in just half an hour of looking at them. Well, he used spatial memory. In fact, specifically, uh, Clemens talked about this method of how he was able to remember all these random digits, um, and he took his childhood home, and all of those random digits he put into his childhood home, and he said he had a 300-point map that he would walk around in his own mind and he would see those digits in different rooms and at different points and connected to different objects and even different people within his own house. Pretty remarkable, right? Truth is, it's called spatial memory, okay? So he attached emotion, uh, not emotion rather, random digits to an actual place with emotion and a location. Now, why do I bring this up? Today, as we consider Thanksgiving, right? I think it's because maybe unlike any other time of the year, there are going to be some intense emotions and memories that are going to come from the places that you travel to and the people that come to you. And some of those are going to be beautiful memories and some of those are going to be hard. So the question we get to ask of ourselves here today, as we enter those spaces, as we cross those thresholds and open those doors, what do we carry with us? I think it's an important question, not just at Thanksgiving, but as we kind of journey into this holiday season, right? Um, What are the things that we arrive on the doorsteps of our loved ones with? And what are they bringing into our homes? That's a picture of Clemens, right? There's his championship trophy, if you've wondered the world memory championships, right? He was able to arrange his mind spatially and attach memory to it. I think over the course of your life, you've done the very same thing. Some good, some bad. Today, what we want to leave with is, how can we as believers kind of cross that Thanksgiving threshold? the places we arrive to and the people that come into our homes, what are we going to express? How are we going to act? And most importantly, what are they going to leave with? So that's going to be our theme today, simply Thanksgiving threshold. How do we cross that? What are we able to bring with us? Uh, For those of you that are studious, that just love class, um, we are going to do three fill-in-the-blanks today uh, of, of points that we can kind of leave with. Um, how Jesus is going to help us cross that Thanksgiving threshold. So these are kind of the three three points that we're going to walk through today. Uh, You're welcome to follow along with me if you'd like. We're going to jump into our text uh, by reading verses 1 and 2 of Luke chapter 19. So uh, you're welcome to follow along in your bulletins. That's where everything's printed out. Um, You'll also see it on the screen behind me here as well. So we read verses 1 and 2. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And so we got to set the scene just a little bit of what's happening here. So Jesus is is going to Jerusalem and he's passing through a town called Jericho. Um, You might think of Jericho as almost like a suburb of Jerusalem. So not quite in in the the capital of of Israel um, where the, the center of religious life was at. Um, But in Jericho, so just a little bit outside of Jerusalem, Jesus is coming in 
And there he encounters a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, the reason our text points that out um, is that on some level, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus's vocation, his job, the choice that he had, had, had to be a tax collector had placed him outside of normal Israelite Jewish life. Okay? Now, understand a little bit what a tax collector, how a tax collector was seen maybe within Israelite society. Um, he would have been labeled a sinner. Okay? So this was a, a man that was collecting taxes, not for the Israelites, but for guess who? The Romans, right? Who had conquered Israel. And so Zacchaeus was a Jew who was collecting taxes to give to the Romans. Now, that's a hard spot to be in, right? Maybe picture yourself like knocking on your neighbor's door, saying, hey, uh, sorry to come by, but uh, taxes are due, right? And by the way, I'm going to hand them over to the Romans, who are kind of brutal to us, right? So not necessarily a real enviable job. Not necessarily a job that they had just lists and lists of applicants for. And so you want to know how they got people to sign up to be tax collectors? The Romans turned a blind eye to their theft. And Zacchaeus was no different. So tax collectors routinely would knock on their neighbor's door and the neighbor would want nothing to do with them because they were going to take taxes from them, give them to the Romans. And so the tax collector would then charge three times, four times, sometimes ten times the amount. So, in essence, what Zacchaeus was doing was stealing from his own people to line his pockets and to give to the Romans. Now, how kindly do you think you would look on someone like that? Probably not real kindly, right? Uh, and in fact, that's how come tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, um, others that were, that were uh, on the outside of Israelite culture and community were labeled as sinners, okay? Now, that wasn't just a label that was kind of placed on them, but there were actually physical things that they were barred from doing within Israelite culture. So now back to our spatial memory just a little bit. Zacchaeus, a Jew, an Israelite, would not have been allowed to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, okay? And that had certain um, um, spatial ramifications for it. This is a recreation of Herod's temple uh, at the time of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And uh, you can kind of see it there. There were 10 gates that would uh, allow you to enter into the temple courts, right? So 10 entry points, 10 thresholds you could cross to go in to be able to worship God, to be able to offer your sacrifices, and to be able to be assured that your sins are forgiven. But you want to know who was not allowed in any one of those ten gates? Sinners. And a man named Zacchaeus. Okay? So now, start thinking about spatial memory a little bit. Zacchaeus as a Jew, he had chosen to be a tax collector. He had chosen to steal from his fellow Jews. And so he may have wanted nothing. He may have not wanted to go into the temple by his own choosing. But even if he chose to do so, he would have been barred from going in. Now, our first reading from Psalm 100 was a psalm that would have been around at the time of Zacchaeus and Jesus as he was encountering them. 
In fact, Psalm 100, and I want to read for you just verses 1 and 4, says this. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. So this is, a, this is what we would call a song of thanksgiving, a psalm of thanksgiving, right? So this psalm would have been used at different times within the worship life of an Israelite, of a Jew within the temple, okay? Many of them maybe had this memorized. So shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. So you can kind of feel, feel the setting of the psalm. It is meant to be joyous. It is meant to be um, thankful. It is meant to, to, to give their, your, your thanks and praise to your God above. And verse 4 says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Okay, so now back to our spatial memory. Do you remember what gates and courts Zechariah or Zacchaeus rather would not have been allowed to enter? These ones. Those ones, right? He was on the outside looking in. He was not allowed to go and he was not allowed to enter with thanksgiving. He was not allowed to leave with the assurance that his sins were forgiven. He was barred from religious life within Israelite community. Do we know whether Zacchaeus was desperate to get in those gates or not? We're not 100% sure. In fact, maybe in some ways this was by his own doing. But we do know this about Zacchaeus. There was something that was, that was, that was empty and that was missing. And that Zacchaeus absolutely was looking for something. And that's when Jesus encountered him, right? Continue with verse 5 through 7. It says this, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Okay. Spatial memory. Zacchaeus was not allowed to enter the gates with thanksgiving in his temple or at his church. But he knew clearly something was wrong with his own life, with the way he'd been acting, and there was clearly a hole. And along comes this rabbi named Jesus. And Zacchaeus wants nothing more than to just get a glimpse of it. Not even maybe hoping for a conversation or anything beyond that, but just a glimpse of someone that could give him some peace, some connection, some assurance that his God above did in fact love him. And so he sees Jesus and what does Jesus say? Zacchaeus, I'm inviting myself over, right? I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus' reaction he didn't say, wow, I'm not prepared for that. I didn't clean up the house well enough. I don't have any food ready. No, Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly because he wanted nothing more than to find uh, the, the peace that was missing. I think this time of year, maybe our spatial memory uh, feels a little bit maybe like Zacchaeus's did. I'm going to share with you one story. This is not one that I'm proud of. Um, this is uh, um, AutoZone. It looks very much like our AutoZone right over here. There was a, a day I went into AutoZone. I needed to pick out some, um, um, I needed to get some parts for my car. And um, as maybe many of us do, especially this time of the year, you're moving pretty fast. And so you're hoping that your errands can just be quick in, quick out, and you can get on with your life. 
And anytime you think that in your mind, it's just not going to happen, right? So by the time I got to AutoZone, I had already been battling traffic. Uh, I was short on time. I was, I was short on patience. The day had not gone real well. I, I can't remember exactly what had gone badly, but let me just put it this way. My fuse was a little bit short. And so I went into AutoZone, and I asked the gal that was there. I was looking for a certain part, um, and she didn't wasn't tracking with me or I wasn't communicating accurately and she couldn't find it and she wasn't, wasn't uh, re, you know, kind of responding to me in the way that I wanted to do and, and you can kind of guess what happened with my patience level, right? And, and my, I started getting angrier and angrier to the point where I started snipping at it, right? right? Where I responded, where I was clearly unhappy, where I did not, I did not treat her as I would want to be treated. I was responding in anger. I didn't get my part. She responded in the same way, <laughs> which is probably what I deserved at the time. We both went our separate ways. And you want to know how long it took me to go back into my own AutoZone after that encounter? Probably about three and a half weeks. Why do you think I didn't want to go back into my own AutoZone? for three and a half weeks. Yeah, you might be thinking, oh, because she was, she was rude. No, because I was rude. Because I was ashamed. I was ashamed of how I had treated her. I was ashamed of how, um, of the baggage that I had brought to her counter on that day. And actually, I'm kind of proud that she gave it back to me a little bit. And, right? But I didn't go in there. I didn't go into my own auto zone for three and a half weeks because I was ashamed of how I treated, because I was afraid I was going to run into her, because I didn't know what I was going to say, because I was ashamed of how I had acted and the baggage that I had brought to that encounter. Right? Can you relate? Are there places and functions that you don't go to because of the interactions that have happened there? Because of the baggage that maybe you've brought? I think this is the time of year we kind of think through some of those things. As we get together with family and friends, as we show up at the doorsteps of people that we claim to love, and as they show up at our doorsteps, I think each and every one of us walks into those homes, no matter what they look like, crosses those thresholds with baggage, with sin, with shame, and things that we wish we had done differently. And that gives us our first point. All of us have baggage. Think of Zacchaeus and the baggage that he was carrying upon his shoulders. Yet, Jesus invited himself into his home. Let's continue with our text. Verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So if the truth is we all have baggage, and the places that we inhabit and exist and go to sometimes carry that baggage with us, this reality is true as well. Zacchaeus was not allowed to enter those gates with thanksgiving, and so you want to know what Jesus did? entered Zacchaeus' house and brought thanksgiving, right? 
Jesus said, today, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your home. Today, I am bringing salvation and I am bringing forgiveness into your home. You want to know what? God does the same for you and I. I'm under no illusion that your holiday celebrations, your Thanksgivings and Christmases are going to be free of conflict, shame, and baggage. And yet, in Christ, we know, you know that your sins have been forgiven. That you don't carry those into eternity because Christ took those upon his shoulders and gave and paid for them and gave his life sacrificially in your place. And so Zacchaeus was barred from temple worship, but the irony of all ironies is Jesus then walks into Zacchaeus' house and brings him the very thing that he had been barred from finding in the temple, brings him salvation, brings him forgiveness, brings him hope, and brings him love. And brothers and sisters, Christ does the very same thing for you this Thanksgiving, this holiday season. Jesus and Scripture at times uses that illustration of of a threshold or a door, right? And us having access to not only forgiveness, but to eternity. John 10 verse 9 says this, Jesus says, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. Got this picture of an open door through Christ. Through his sacrifice. The book of Hebrews talks about it a little bit more, what this gives us access to. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Doors open, homes open, worship open the opportunity to give thanks and praise to our God above because of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the book of Revelation gives us an image of what that celebration and what eternity will look like. It says, On no day will the gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Why do you close your door or close gates in a city? It's to keep danger out, right? But in eternity... There will be no need because we, we, we inhabit that house, the temple of our God, with our God as well because of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So, we all have baggage. Zacchaeus did as well. But here's the reality. In Christ, you're home. In Christ, you have a home because he entered our hearts, the work of the Holy Spirit, and forgiveness. One last verse it says this Zacchaeus' reaction. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now. You notice the reaction when Jesus brought salvation and forgiveness into his home? You get the sense like you could hardly contain Zacchaeus. You get the sense that no one had, that Jesus didn't have to say to Zacchaeus, I think you should do this and do that and do this. You get the sense that Zacchaeus was just, um, could not be contained in his thanksgiving of his God above because what he had been missing, he had found in Christ. That he had been on the outside looking in and on account of Christ, he now knew what having a home meant. And so Zacchaeus' reaction, he stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now. And he gives him thanks and praise 
through the actions and the things that he actually does. What about for you and I? Forgiveness that we have, it absolutely is reason to give thanks. And yet, I would venture to say that there are times when maybe we forget that just a little bit. Uh, There is a phenomenon called the doorway effect. Have any of you ever heard of this? So, let me describe you a little bit what happens. Uh, You're trying to get out the door to work, and you already got the car started because it's really cold outside, and so now it's starting to warm a little bit, and you've got coffee is running, and, and you're, you're maybe going to pour yourself a coffee, um, but you've got to get out the door because you're already late, uh, and so you race upstairs to grab one last thing, and you walk through your bedroom door, and you stand there, and you just look around. Like, what in the world am I doing here? Right? Why am I up in my bedroom? A little bit of confusion. Said, okay, what am I going to do? You go back downstairs. As soon as you leave the room and get to the bottom of the steps, you want to know what you remembered? Oh, yeah, why I was upstairs in the first place, right? So then you run back up, grab your book or whatever you need to do, and then you're out the door and off your way to work. Uh, They call this the doorway effect. So if that's ever happened to you, it's pretty common, actually, um, that our memory is able to um, spatially attach to things. But when we cross thresholds, when we go into new rooms and into new new doorways, um, that there is kind of an indexing that happens even in our own minds. And so uh, what we remember just outside that doorway when we step through Somehow our minds forget, and when we go back, we're like, oh yeah, that's what it was. Then we carry it through with us. I think at times, that can happen to us as Christians. The joy that we know we have, the forgiveness that you know you have, uh, that has been poured out for you on account of Jesus Christ, I think there are times when we forget that. Maybe when we cross the thresholds of family members this Thanksgiving or Christmas season. Maybe when they cross our doorsteps. Where instead of joy and thanksgiving and happiness and smiles, we forget anything that we're thankful for. And the only thing that they receive is shame, maybe past hurts that are brought up, and a rehashing of old pain. If you're there, if you've done that, you're not alone. I think we all do that. And so that's why I think it's a good reminder for us especially at Thanksgiving and in this Christmas season, of what you get to bring with you. It's what Zacchaeus wanted to bring to his community as he sought to make amends, to give thanks to his God above for knowing that he was on the outside, but now he had a home. The same thing is true for you and I. And so when you go to homes of loved ones, when they come to you, let's not let the doorway affect stop us from walking with something. We have the opportunity to arrive with forgiveness and joy. And those are no small things, right? And I am not so naive to think that the places you are going to go and the people you're going to celebrate with, that there isn't pain there, that there isn't sorrow, that there isn't baggage. But you have an opportunity, empowered by Christ, to go to those places and to bring forgiveness, and to bring joy. Seem hard? Even impossible? It's not. Not with Christ in your heart, and in your actions, and in your words, and how you treat others. You want to know what's really fascinating? Talked a little bit about spatial memory. 
there is a group of people that they have found some remarkable success with spatial memory in. Um, it's those that are suffering from pretty severe depression. And what they will do is they will create mental maps of places, locations, right? And, and um, attach good feelings to those places. And it actually, remarks, it actually helps a remarkable amount for those that are struggling. And so the truth is, you can go to new places. You can go to old places. And when you walk with forgiveness and joy, in a sense, you can redeem those places. Christ did it in your hearts. That's the forgiveness that you have, knowing that you have a home. And that's also the opportunity you have this, Christmas, this Thanksgiving and Christmas season to be able to cross those doorsteps and bring with you forgiveness and joy. Amen.